When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I am Joe Galina, and as always, I'm joined by my buddy, Scott Chu. What's going on there, Scott? Oh, not much. Just, uh, you know, as all of us do, we live the dream every day. Absolutely. So have you uh, have you been exper- – do you like hot dogs, by the way, Scott? Oh, God. Far more than I should, right? Like yeah, I, yeah. I'm a, I'm a young I'm – a, I'm a young child in many ways. <laughs> I wear a lot of dinosaur clothes. And awesome. I uh, and I love stuff like hot dogs and mac and cheese. There you go. Did you did you see uh, the clip? It was uh, this guy at the Yankee game last night. Oh where- yeah, the hot dog straw. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, I'll probably be trying that uh, at some point this weekend. I mean, just you know, if I have nothing to do, uh, any interest? I mean, I'm sure there's some kind of flavor <laughs> imparted. Right. right. It's not like I haven't had beer and hot dog in my mouth at the same time. <laughs> right. Uh, so this thing just just about broke Twitter uh, last night. But uh, uh, Yankees Mets, my, my Yanks uh, came through with a victory last night. Yankees win. The Yankees win. And we're recording on Tuesday night, 8.06 p.m., uh, August 23rd. Yanks and Mets playing the second game of the Subway uh, Series. So, uh, and uh, just about six weeks, unbelievable, Scott. The, the time just, just flies, man. Six weeks left to the regular season, uh, less if you play in head-to-head leagues because playoffs are going to be starting, right? So a- any last gasp or Hail Mary type of strategies that you could recommend? I mean, it's always the same one. And the strategy just tends to be in head-to-head, see what your opponent has, right? Like, if they don't roster any closers, like just only, you know, put in one or two and you'll win, right? Or like those categories. It's it's really at this point in the season, it's all about trying to find the most possible gain you can get from the least amount of work. We've talked about this on the podcast before, but that's a general idea, right? Like if if you're behind, you know, 10 saves from the person that's one above you in a roto league, like give up, right? You're not going to outpace them by 10 saves for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. So like, don't worry about that so much. Just try to maintain what you have over the person below you and focus on a different stat, right? If, if, you know, batting average or OBP are really clumped, grab a couple guys who can help with that, who are, you know, sometimes ignored because it's empty average or empty ratios. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. At this point in the season, you're never asking yourself, who do I like more rest of season? Right. right? It's who do I like more in the next week or two? Mm-hmm. That's it. So schedules also play a really big, big role. Um, I would say that's the other like it's not so much a Hail Mary. It's I care a lot more about schedule now than I did in June. Right. Streaming just as important. Oh, yeah. Stream every mm-hmm. position. Mm-hmm. Right. You can stream pitching. You can stream hitting. Right. Like you can mm-hmm. stream like outfield, especially or for stats. Right. You can stream for speed. Right. 
There's all right. kinds of matchups that just tend to be more favorable for hitters. Yep. Right. I pointed out that uh, the the Cubs ran against you know certain pitchers like a ton. Right. Like they're probably going to do it again. Mm-hmm. You know. So like you can find these matchups that are really advantageous, and you just you use those. You know, whenever the Marlins play the Mets, like they're going to freaking run. Right, right, right. It's just right. what they do. Or so, uh, whenever Noah Syndergaard is on the mound, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's team, teams love, love running on him. They will mm-hmm. run constantly. Yep. So if you see that, you know, you've got a speed guy, like open up the schedule. Normally you're looking at the stats from the last two weeks or 30 days or whatever. You don't need to do that so much anymore. Really what you're looking at is like, who do they play this week? Right. Sometimes, you know, if you, if you draw them, you know, the, the Yankees drew a real tough matchup to start the week with the Mets, right? Because they, they're seeing top pitching like in at least one of the games. Mm-hmm. I know last week we saw the Phillies go to like Houston and just get ripped up by, you know, cause they had to face like all of the top Astros pitchers. Right. Right. Like whenever you're on the bubble, that's what you should be using. Like, yeah, screw that. Right. Like this guy might play two less games this week or, uh, it might be, oh, wow, look, like these are great matchups. They're going to Colorado, right? Like get them, right? Like you can, sure. you know, the number of times you could pick up and drop Jose Iglesias is just insane, right? You pick them up at home, then you drop them. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, you mentioned the Cubs. You mentioned uh, saves or you mentioned uh, uh, closer. So just let me throw this one name out and then we're going to get on to some news that broke today. But uh, Brandon Hughes uh, today, Tuesday, the Cubs are, are playing a doubleheader against the Cardinals. Brandon Hughes picked up his third save in the past week. So Rowan Wick had pretty much taken over as the closer for the Cubs after they traded uh, David Robertson to the Phillies. But keep an eye on the, uh, Brandon Hughes. He, uh, he's been kind of co-closing with uh, Wick the past week. So Yeah, Roman Roman Wick keeps blowing saves. Yeah. That's all it is. That, that'll that'll – uh, you know, stop you from it's uh, tough. Being it's used tough in the to ninth a, inning, right? <laughs> it's tough to have a closer on a bad team who blows saves. Yeah, yeah. Well, all right. So the news of the day, Scott. So Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, publicly apologized for his actions taking PEDs. Uh, and he also announced, and I think this is big for um, dynasty managers who roster Fernando Tatis Jr. He's going to have surgery on that troublesome shoulder that's been giving him uh, uh, angst for years, right? It keeps on dislocating it. So that's got to be some relief for dynasty managers. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, you could look at it that way. You could say like, well, he's getting the surgery. I wanted him to get the surgery anyway, long term. So like, you know, I was going to lose him next year anyway. I mean, obviously, there's going to be people that have like the moral objection to rostering Fernando Tatis, but at the end of the day, you know, he's still incredibly explosive whenever he plays, you know, and that was before his surgically repaired shoulder. So, I mean, you're really looking at it like it's tough. If you're in Dynasty, you can't really do anything with Fernando Tatis Jr. Because all people are going to offer you are peanuts, right? Right. They're not going to give you anything of value that's even remotely close to what Tatis is. So you're kind of just stuck in this holding pattern. But you got to be relieved now that, you know, let's say once he misses that first 30 or so uh, games of the season next year, that uh, there's less likelihood of him going on the IL again for this shoulder issue for like a month. You know, I mean, and enough is enough now. We want him to play the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's something, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, yeah. if you, if you got to spin, we're, we're grasping at there it is. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, Walker Bueller 
uh, it was announced today that he is having Tommy John surgery. Uh, the Dodgers uh, ace was originally it was announced that he was just going to have elbow surgery. There wasn't really specific uh, indication of what type of elbow surgery, but now we know Tommy John surgery. So we probably won't see him until the 2024 season. This is his second Tommy John surgery. Of, yeah. Uh, and so his career. Yeah, it, it's it's really rough, but I will say like there is plenty of, uh, you know, there is, I don't want to say plenty. There is track record for some pitchers who can get through to Tommy Johns and, you know, and oh, yeah. Well. Yeah. Uh, Adam Wainwright's had it. Steven, mm-hmm. I mean, Steven Strasburg is still on the IL, but for different reasons, uh, DeGrom has had the two, uh, Drew Rasmussen of the Rays, uh, has also had two Tommy Johns while he was in the minors. And I think maybe once in college, but so like they can come back and Walker, Walker Bueller is still like a high, you know, we assume he's, you know, a, a stud picture. And and really what I'm hoping for is that he gets the same trajectory and return as Luis Severino of your Yankees, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you miss two full seasons. We don't really get to see you at all. If if I want, you know, how, what do I want to compare that to? I'd say Luis Severino. These, these mm-hmm. are both guys that are rate like that when healthy are rated in, you know, a top tier of pitching, right? They're not number one, but they're around, you know, they're up there. And so if he can recover like Luis Severino did from missing two seasons, that's mm-hmm. great. What you don't want to see is like what's happened to Brent Honeywell, who uh, who went from top prospect to hasn't pitched in like two and a half years. I mean, he started pitching again this year, but it's been rough. So that's what you're really going to be tracking. But don't expect a ton of updates either, right? Because there's right. so much time. Yep. Uh, good news, I guess. Uh, Bueller is only 28 years old now, so uh, he'll be what about uh, – you know, twenty nine thirty when he comes back. So uh, I guess he's got that going on his side as well, that he's got youth. So um, uh, Josh Hader in the news uh, since we last podcasted together, uh, Scott. So he obviously big trade where he gets traded from the Brewers to the Padres. And uh, all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, he, he's had his issues uh, this season. And it almost seems like the Brewers kind of, you know, Knew what they were doing, obviously. Um, since July 13th, four of uh, 11 appearances, three runs or more, 18.78 ERA. What I'm trying to say is that Josh Hader is no longer the closer, at least temporarily, for the Padres. Yeah, this is a really tough one to deal with because like, you can't, you can't cut the guy, mm-hmm. right? But, you know, uh, it, there's probably something going on in like the human world. Uh, his non-work life. Like I know people have done some analysis on Hater. The guy still throws crazy hard and it's still super nasty. Mm-hmm. So it's, again, this is one of those players that you're kind of stuck with. Now, what it, what's nice in, you know, in a sense, about him not being the closer is you can bench him, right? Mm-hmm. You can bench him this week because oh, he, no doubt. he's not, yeah. not going to be the closer. You don't need those innings and you mm-hmm. can, you know, do something else, right? Either stream a low end closer with a good schedule or just throw another starter in there and see what happens, mm-hmm. right? Saves, saves are super random, right? The difference between a three save week and a zero save week for, in terms of like how well the closer is pitching is zero, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's no difference between the two, except the offense did better, right? Or the starters did better. Right. So, you know, with closers, you, you definitely can bench him, but that's all you can really do. I just don't think you can cut him yet. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if he throws, I mean, because if he throws one or two good ones, you know, good innings, 
and looks locked in, you're going to feel real silly giving up what oh, what has yeah. been one of the best relief arms in you know in the world for the last what three four years. Even this season, uh, he entered July 13th's action with a 1.94 ERA. Uh, like I said, he's temporarily relieved of his closer duties, but Scott, he's still tied for the major league lead with 29 saves, and that just shows you how good he was to start the season. One, two, three strikes, you're out. Yeah, I mean, again, as much as I'll talk about in, in podcasts from now until the end of the season, I'll talk a lot about like you don't need to, you don't need to hold a candle for anyone. You can cut anyone. Oh, absolutely. But like, we're still a little early on that for someone like Josh Hader. That's mm-hmm. truly elite upside. Mm-hmm. So that's the stuff you hold. What you don't hold are the are the random outfielders you've picked up because they've been hot for two weeks, right? Right, right. It, Paul DeJong has been ice cold, or Paul DeYoung has been ice cold. Get mm-hmm. rid of him. Gone. Mm-hmm. See ya. Yeah. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, the problem is with the the Padres is that uh, they're going with the closer by committee, which includes uh, Luis Garcia, who got a save. Nick Martinez got a save. Uh, Robert Suarez is uh, involved. Might you know has an opportunity to uh, close out games. Adrian Morjohn. So unfortunately, there's no real uh, individual to target. You know, with the Padres. You know, um, moving forward. No, and what what you take from that right now? Is like none of these guys are so good that you have to roster them anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Like they've been good recently, but it's, it's not like if one of them gets the, you know, it's not like one of them's like, oh, they're elite though, right? Like for right now, I would say, you know, just avoid the bullpen entirely. The folks mm-hmm. who have Hater, keep Hater on the bench. Otherwise, unless you're in like 15 team plus leagues, you can try to find something, but you know, the the one who's been the best so far this season is Luis Garcia, but he hasn't been the best of, in the last like week or two, right? Because mm-hmm. Nick Martinez has been quite good. I mean, all these guys are viable. And once you start seeing that like four guys are in the closing committee, you don't need any of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max Muncie's still red hot. And uh, I tip my cap to you because you had the patience. I remember, you know, we were on opposite sides of the spectrum when it came to Muncie. You had more patience uh and we spoke about him last week but he's still just red hot when you look at his last 23 games seven homers uh 17 rbi uh batting average uh, 289 so uh last 10 games or so his woba's really shut up and uh ground ball rate plummeted line drive line drive rate increased so uh looking good right now uh for uh the next you know i mean he's he's looking like the max muncie of old we'll say that, I mean, that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. So M- Muncy's plate discipline has been good all season. It's not as though he's, you know, suddenly changed his approach. Really, there's some speculation that the problem was, you know, he had like he had a shoulder injury coming into the season. Yep. And, you know, there's speculation that that caused it. But like the thing about Max Muncy, and it's the same thing like right now with Trevor Story or, you know, some other guys that are something the problem is that we know that they could go on a three-week heater or mm-hmm. in terms of Mac Muncy, the whole month of August, right? Batting 333 just in the month of August, slugging 767, seven home runs, 15 RBI, right? Like that was the thing about Muncy. The potential was in there and I get it. There's a lot of managers who needed to cut him because their bench is short, Yeah, right? And they just couldn't roster. I get it. But um, you know, he's the type of player that once he started getting hot, He's who you jump on because again, he's the kind of guy that we know if he gets hot, he is like 
best hitter in baseball hot. Not right. like kind of yeah. good. He he when he's hot, he's best hitter in baseball hot. He's almost an automatic thirty five homer guy. Right. Mm-hmm. So I mean he's just, you know, he's ever he's getting a home run every ten plate appearances in August. Mm-hmm. Right. So like basically every three games on average, yep. he'll knock one out. So like that's that's why so long in the season we we preach like you gotta hold on to these guys because man, if they turn it around, like we know what that looks like. Mm-hmm. It looks like absolute mashing. And we already saw it once from Story earlier this season. Yep. Yep. And you talk about mashing, and I have the uh, Yankee Met game on in the background, and uh, Aaron Judge has just hit his 48th home run against Taiwan Walker. Yanks up one nothing in the fourth inning. Tuesday yeah, night, eight twenty. He had a nine-game drought, and we were all very worried. Yes, yeah. You you want to want to go go in get into that? You, you well, want to sound mean, like some of these uh, people that call up the local uh, sports radio stations here in New York? Well, maybe we shouldn't sign them for long term. Yeah, it, that I mean, those are always fun. Local sports radio <laughs> yeah. is always a, a blast. But really, all I want to say is, and this is something I say like in the hitter list every week. It's anyone can look really good or really bad for 50 plate appearances. Mm-hmm. Right. I think for him, it was more like 37 uh, over those nine games and the stats were terrible. And the stat cast data was terrible because he was just not hitting well. Like he was, right. <laughs> he was doing poorly. Right. That's, I'm not saying that's fine as much as I'm saying that like, again, it's less than 50 plate appearances. I just can't like, it's one of the reasons I'm having a hard time with Vaughn Grissom. Because even though he he is a heralded prospect, he's shown a lot of things. He's barely got 50 plate appearances in the league, mm-hmm. right? And he has none in AAA. So, like, yes, he's super hot. And I don't want to com- – I'm not trying to compare him to guys that were hot and flamed out. But, like, the one that always comes to mind is Aristides Aquino. Everything he was doing was backed by StatCast in the sense that, like, all the power was there because he was just locked in. Like, I imagine him being up at the, being up at the plate and that baseball coming in looking like a beach ball. Mm-hmm. And he could just smack it wherever he wanted. But that went away. And I'm not saying that won't for Grissom. And in fact, with Grissom, what I'm really encouraged by is his plate discipline, which generally speaking has been better as he stayed in the league, right? He's striking out a little less. But the trend is like we only have 50 plate appearances. So like there's not a lot to go on. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the the one thing that I, I like about him too, and you know, maybe I, I put too much weight on this, but I, you know, he was a star in, in the minor leagues, wasn't he? Let's take a look. Yeah, he was. I mean, he um, he hit everywhere he went. Yeah, 315 uh, batting average in three minor league seasons, 315, 402, 465 slug. So, I mean, you're right. There's a difference between, you know, a few seasons in the minor leagues and hitting in the majors. But so far, you know, he looks for real. And uh, you had mentioned that he might even be making a debut, right? Oh yeah, he he is making his debut on the hitter list. Mm-hmm. Like when I say he's been good enough that I'm willing to throw him on there, yeah. Because again, it's only 50 games, but it's really good. Yeah, right. Eight percent mm-hmm. walk rate, eighteen percent strikeout rate, four forty OBP, right? Six fifty two slugging. Like he's he's. I mean, it's just straight up. He's playing really really well, and it, it's a team and a lineup that has like a lot. You know, it's weird. He bats like seventh, eighth. That kind of thing, but like, who bats right behind him? Michael freaking Harris, right? right? Like, <laughs> like and there's yeah, and we got to talk a, about him too. Yeah, but it's, and, it's a deep lineup, yeah. so I care a little less that he bats at the bottom of it. It just right. robs him of an at bat or two, 
probably uh, every, you know, every three games, he probably loses about an at bat. So yeah. especially if the team's not hitting, right. but it's, it's the kind of thing where 50 plate appearances plus a pedigree Plus, he performed really well in the minors. Yeah. <laughs> uh, plus, he's in a really good situation with playing time for the foreseeable future. Although, obviously, the the return yeah. of the Albies will yes. will mess with things. I was going to mention that. Yeah. So, so that's rough. Um, they could always move him in the outfield. There's several outfielders that have not performed well mm-hmm. uh, for Atlanta. Th- there's opportunities, but at the same time, he will debut. He'll be in the 120s. Um, I I try not to let guys get higher than that when they debut, but that's similar to where we saw. Adley Rutschman, when he came up, uh, that's around where uh, Vinny Pasquantino mm-hmm. uh, sort of Who debuted. just hit the IL, by the way. He was, yeah, he just hit the mm-hmm. IL, which is a super bummer because the I adjustments absolutely. he were making, the, the adjustments he made and continued to make were fantastic. The plate discipline stayed, stayed so, so, so strong. Mm-hmm. And he just started, like, the power came because instead of just missing the barrel of the bat, he started making the barrel of the bat, right? right. Because he was just getting more comfortable in the box. So you're really getting a feel for what he can hit and what he can't. So that was, you know, it's disappointing he went on the IL. But again, Grissom, he debuts uh, around 129 uh, because I'm I'm high on him. Mm-hmm. But also, right, I, I do want to throw in, like, he's in the 120s and sort of in that last outfielder range because it's only 50 plate appearances. Right. Yeah, I think they might have to DH him, though. Like you mentioned the outfield. I'm looking at his uh, minor league career. He's played short. He's played second. He's played third. Um, you know, Marcelo Zuna is slumping. I mean, who else do the uh, Braves use in the DH spot? Uh, Rosario, maybe, or is he exclusively in the outfield? I mean, I mean I you don't want to. You're, you're not going to bench the, Grissom. Yeah, no, and and the thing is, you know, and I said outfield, and I should probably have been more. That's clear, fine. I just wanted. There's to- guys. No, you're right. They, there's guys. The thing is, there's guys in the outfield. Like usually, they. I mean, their DH has often been an outfielder mm-hmm. uh, this season. A guy who normally plays outfield and. They're giving a lot of playing time to guys who maybe haven't deserved as much playing time. Uh, I think a lot of Atlanta fans would agree that there's some guys that keep trotting out there that just don't perform. So, you know, instead of having that outfielder be the DH for the day, it makes more sense to have Vaughn Grissom be the DH for the day. uh, And, you know, also give breaks to guys at, at short, at second, at third. Yeah. I tell you, you take a look at the Braves lineup and it's comparable very much so to the Dodgers lineup in terms of, you know, fantasy production, fantasy stars. No, it's so deep. That's really where, you know, it all comes in. They have, you know, like they have Michael Harris batting eighth, right? Long Grissom (laughs) batting seventh, right? Like it's actually weird. The five and six spots of the lineup are like the worst spots, right? With Travis Mm -hmm. Darno and Eddie Rosario or uh, William Contreras, the other catcher will DH at times. Marcelo Zuna, those are the worst ones, right? So mm-hmm. um, there, you know, there's going to be opportunities for Von Grissom to be on the major league roster. You're no longer worried about him hitting the minors when Ozzy Albies returns. The question is, does he take over like a DH spot and sort of rotate? Or does he take over just for Ahiri Adrianza, who plays somewhat regularly, but you know, he's an infield outfielder, do it all kind of guy. So like he he plays three or four days a week, and it's just hard to roster that in fantasy. Right, right. And when you look at the Braves, I mean, I don't know how they do it, but they just keep on signing their young, talented players to these long-term 
team-friendly contract. Now, Michael Harris is the last latest one, an eight-year, $72 million contract. I mean, for fantasy purposes, it kind of helps you a little bit. I mean, obviously, we know that Michael Harris, uh, he's been performing real well, but you know, it's nice to know that he's going to have a consistent uh you know, be consistent in terms of the team that he's playing for, consistent surroundings and whatnot. But when you look at what the Braves have done, uh, Austin Riley now signed through 32. Matt Olson signed through 30. So is Michael Harris, which is 2030, right? Acuna signed till 2028. Uh, They've got Grissom till 2028 because he's, he's, a, he's a rookie and whatnot. Albies assigned to 27. Spencer Strider is 27. This team's going to be good for a very, very long time. Yeah, and before, you know, I, I don't want to say, like, it when you say it like that, you make it almost, you know, people get the idea that Atlanta's being really predatory to these young players or that these young players have an agent that's an idiot. But you have to remember mm. what the what the what Atlanta is buying and I think very smartly is they're buying out the arb- pre-arb and arbitration years, mm-hmm. right? They're saying, "Hey, you no longer have to perform every single year." If, if and and for those who don't know the arbitration process, it's extremely adversarial. It's ugly, right? Yes. Basically, teams just have like basically teams put on PowerPoint presentations of why their players stink, mm-hmm. right? That, that's arbitration. So uh, they they skip this whole process, and I think it's probably what's helped them stay so relevant year after year after year, mm-hmm. despite complete roster turnover, right? Uh, we, we see this crazy roster turnover then, but but it stays around because when they find pieces they think are, are going to stick around, they go and grab them and sign them for long-term. These players would have been with Atlanta either way, right? Like, because they would have just been pre-arb and arbitration years. Right. But, but now they're there and, you know, presumably they're happier because they've created a much more safe income for them because like, you know, God forbid you're Michael Harris and you get hurt next year, right? Then your pre-arb and arb is going to take a while to recover from that. Right. Right. So just lock it in now. But you don't become a free agent till after your fifth year, right? Is that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so I, I mean, they are probably saving some money. If Michael Harris continues on the trajectory, uh, trajectory that he's on right now and of course it's only uh you know a couple of months that we're seeing him you know after five years who knows what he could command in the open market but uh i'm sorry if i made them sound predatory man no no it's one of those things that like facebook and twitter just blow up when they see these contracts right. and it, it's a business part of the game there's a reason these guys are doing that like they're they're getting generational wealth locked in mm-hmm. like, do you know how long it took for josh Hader to earn a million dollars a year yeah like, and that was he, one he of the reasons that they got rid of him too, because next year I think he was uh, expected to make you know, something like fifteen to eighteen million, yep. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it ramps up way like a lot at the end, but early on it's slow and mm-hmm. it moves just little by little. And yes, it's still a lot of money, but like it's not millions like these guys are locking in. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, we can't go through this podcast without talking about what Albert Pujols has done in the past weeks, uh, past week and a half or so. Seven home runs in his last 10 games, uh, Scott, and you would just, I forget who, who you were talking about, but you said, you know, you're looking at the ball and it looks like a beach ball. <laughs> that, that's what Pujols has to be seeing when the ball is uh, coming his way. He even hit a home run today, Tuesday, uh, for his seventh home run in 10 games. Yeah, and like this offense right now is an absolutely must avoid if you're, if you've got pitchers, right? Because like between 
Lars Newtbar, who's been at the top of that lineup and just getting it, getting on base like crazy, right? Brendan Donovan is resurging, right? And he's making a ton of contact. Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado are going to be like one, two for the MVP, MVP for like for the first time since Griffey and some other guys on his other guy on his team were in the, in the hunt. So like, that's wild. And then, you know, it's, and then Pujols comes out of nowhere and they just like plug him in and he, he mashes just absolutely mashes because he's been, I mean, on one hand, you know, it's cool seeing him also doing it against right-handers. Right. But like this season, he's been real good against lefties because he's one of the best right-handed bats of our generation. I mean, that's just the way it works. But uh, in fantasy, he's, he's kind of tough because he doesn't play every day. Even when he's super hot, he gets days off Yeah, because he's 42 and a half. Yeah, it's uh, just seven home runs away from 700 for his career. Um, I guess right now, you know, he's probably streamable, but I understand what you're saying. He doesn't, you know, he'll, he'll still streamable. play, let's say, four out of the seven days, right? Streamable is a great word because what yeah. you're going to be looking for is when the Cardinals are either going to face like a bunch of bad right-handed pitching and or left-handed pitching of any kind, mm-hmm. right? Because those are the games where Pujols can really shine. Like, yeah. you know, if, if the Cardinals have to play the Mets and they draw Scherzer, like, you know, let bench pool holes that day. Right. It's just not, you know, the, the juice ain't worth the squeeze. Like there's, there's Ooh. only so much he's going to do. Oh, crush you, just said. You, ju- you just said juice and, you know, and, and you're not going to like what I'm going to say, but I was thinking, what if this guy pools, this guy pools said, Hey, the heck with it. You know, I've only got like a couple months or whatever, six weeks left of my career. Cause he's, he now sees he's going to retire. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What if he just said, screw it, man. I'm just going to, you know, take take something so that I could just go nuts and, and hit the ball over. The-. Maybe he's taking PEDs. You know, the, I, the, then the, then I did a Google search because I seem to remember that he, there were accusations in the past that he did. And if you ever heard of uh, Jack Clark, mm-hmm. player in the, the 80s, uh, played a lot for the Giants and the Cardinals. I think he played a year or two for the Yanks. He accused <laughs> Pujols of, of of juicing up. So when you said juice, it just like lit a a light bulb in my head. I'm not yeah, accusing I mean, him of doing it, but would it be funny? Would it be funny if he just said, "You know what? If you catch me, I'll just retire." You know, a few weeks early. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, the only thing it would do is ruin his Hall of Fame chances. That's it, right? Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> he's a shoe in the moment. <laughs> So that's there's there's that to keep him honest at least. Uh, do you think they'll eventually? Uh, I'm, I know I'm going off track since you just mentioned. It, you think eventually they'll uh, let these guys like uh, uh, A. Rod and and Roger Clemens? You'll let they'll let them in into the Hall of Fame. It's hard to imagine the the Baseball Writers Association doing something that I agree with. So, uh, <laughs> uh, probably you know probably not. But I you know. Th- they're in the hall in other ways, right? They don't get their bust done, but like, I mean, it's still the home run record, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's still Barry like Bonds, yeah. a- anybody that watched Barry Bonds, like he might not, he might not have his bust in the Hall of Fame, but like, you don't talk about that era of baseball without talking about Barry Bonds, right? Yeah, uh, and I'll tell you, we, we spoke about this last week where A. Rod was talking about Fernando Tatis Jr. and he said. You know what he did to himself is going to affect him for the rest of his life. For the you know because he's only in his twenties, it's going to affect him for the next sixty years. That yeah, he's cost himself the hall. And uh, I, you know, hopefully, I, I, in a way, baseball knew 
and and just ignored it that these baseball players during that period were uh, taking PEDs because, look, they needed to get fans back in the seats. So for baseball to kind of like, you know, play a holier than now, now, kind of silly, but I don't know. Yeah, I think the only thing I'd add is that, like, I just remind people what steroids do. Steroids don't make you big. Mm-hmm. You take steroids. I mean, well, there are different we, kinds. Yes. Yeah, we all we all get steroids. Like steroids don't make you big, but what those steroids usually do is make it so that you're never sore. Mm-hmm. You can max out all day long. Next morning, you're not sore, right? So you can max out that day too, instead of having to take two, three days of rest, right? Like mm-hmm. so, that's what steroids do. So you can see why some of these guys on the you know we often find injured players or oft injured players taking it of late. Right. Forrest Whitley was a top prospect for the Astros and he got busted. Same kind of, well, he got busted for different things, but, but like, that's what steroids do. They make it so that your, you know, maybe your shoulders don't get so sore anymore Mm -hmm. because they repair your muscles. So, you know, that's, that's kind of what to think of it as. Like, you don't want to say like, oh, he has power because of steroids. No, he's, he's trying to get healthier. And that's not an excuse to like absolve him. Right. It's illegal. Right. And, mm-hmm. and he had a terrible excuse for something that got Googled poorly. Right. It was like the wrong drug. Mm-hmm. But he's, you know, hopefully the steroids did their freaking job and yeah, made yeah. it so that he's going to be healthier. Right. Right. All right. Let's take a quick break. And then uh, when we come back, talk about some uh, young uh, hitters uh, that have uh, made their debut and uh, some or at least one that could be on his way. So we'll be right back right after this. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show all right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. It's Joe Galina and Scott Chu. Follow him at If the Chew Fits. Another another really great tweet. I love the the latest picture. Uh, I think you're wearing a dinosaur shirt. Oh in, yeah, in the, from yeah. from Dino Comics. Yeah, uh, yeah. They even retweeted me, so I feel. I mean, I got all the validation I needed in you know in one tweet, right? Yeah. Uh, but and you have but that yeah, flaming so, so, red hair. I'm very, very impressed. The, the, I, the lighting, like the lighting you're seeing me with right now and no <laughs> one else is, is nah, it's fine. But the lighting in my bedroom is phenomenal. And I've got this yep. spot where I can take like the primo pictures of me. And that's just, mm-hmm. I mean, that I had to do it. <laughs> so you talk about dinosaurs and, and uh, what about this guy? Uh, he, he's my favorite player just from, from his name, Stone Garrett, outfielder for the Diamondbacks. I mean, it seems like he belongs uh, playing at bedrock for the Boulder City Giants, uh, if you're familiar with the Flintstones. But uh, he's actually uh, gotten off and you talk about small sample sizes, uh, you know, 
only looking at a few games here, but um, power hitting guy um, batting 400 in his first few games here. Um, any interest in streaming Mr. Stone Garrett, my favorite guy? Yeah, when the when the Diamondbacks have decent schedules, sure. Mm-hmm. He's shown, you know, he was hitting for a ton of power in the minor leagues. Yeah. Right? So so that's really promising. He's not going to walk a lot. He's probably less an OBP kind of guy, and, and his batting average probably won't be that good either. But when he plays, there's plenty of power. However, the thing that sort of goes with it is that we already know that the 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 brass in Arizona, so to speak, have told us that Corbin Carroll is coming this year. Yeah, and there's only so many guys that you can keep out there, you know, all the time in the outfield if you're trying to get a look at them. So I would wonder about that. But then again, you know, this even on this roster, you see the the Diamondbacks willing to go with these late bloomers. You know, Stone Garrett, he's 26. I mean, the the big power hitter in their lineup right now, Christian Walker, was like 28 when he debuted. Yeah, and they stuck with him. So. So at least he's got that going for him. But, you know, this is a power bat and you're just going to want to keep an eye on the strikeouts, which he's done well to control so far. Yep. And then uh, Diamondbacks aren't shy about calling up some of their prospects. Uh, Obviously, uh, Alec Thomas has played uh, almost 90 games for them. And, uh, you know, he's experiencing some growing pains, but not terrible. Uh, 241 batting average in his first 88 games with uh, eight homers, 31 RBI and four stolen bases. So, yeah, and I'm a fan of Alec Thomas, but he's more of this do everything guy. Like yeah. he can kind of, you know, he he runs a little, he makes contact a little, he has a, he has some power, he's a good fielder. Like he does all these, like he all he does all these things. So like all together, it's really really good. But this like the sum of the fantasy parts don't always add up. Right, right. So yeah, like you, I'm looking forward to seeing Corbin Carroll hopefully sooner rather than later. And he's a guy that I'm gonna you know focus on. Uh, on the waiver wire. Yeah, because he's, you know, he's a top three prospect in baseball, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And, and the D-backs will have places for him to play, mm-hmm. right? Like there will be times that, you know, they don't need Emmanuel Revi- like Riviera in the lineup, mm-hmm. right? Like Emmanuel Rivera doesn't have to play every day, right? Jake McCarthy, who's been real hot lately, like likely probably slows down at some point. He doesn't have to play, so... That's why he'll be exciting. I'm really interested to see where they'll put, you know, when, you know, when they call up Corbin Carroll, I'm really going to be looking from a fantasy perspective. And when I'm going to put him on the hitter list, I want to see where in the lineup they put him. Yep. Right. Cause it's hard to get as excited about a nine guy as like, if they just plopped him right in at two or five or six, even. Yep. Um, last week we talked about some of the young catchers, that have come up recently and there's actually some hope right uh for fantasy when it comes to catchers because sometimes it could just be uh, a horror show especially when you need to to start too i mean the, the young ones that we've been talking about mj melendez from the royals alejandro kirk uh blue jays and of course will smith from the dodgers uh, now he's basically a four-year veteran uh, but uh shay langoliers um just was called up uh within the past week or so for the A's. And you think he's uh, the next young catcher to keep our eyes on. Firstly, uh, I'm a little surprised uh, that um, the A's didn't find a suitor for Sean Murphy that he wasn't traded. But uh, uh, Langoliers actually got off to a decent start in his first five games. Yeah, yeah, he sure has. He's striking out a ton. Uh, And that should get better. 
uh, just because it's been, you know, his strikeout rate hasn't been that bad in the minor leagues. But I mean, this is a guy who's who's a legitimate prospect, mostly, I mean, not mostly, but partially because he is really good behind the plate as a defender, but he's got some hit tool. He's got some power. He can do those things. So, you know, with Shea Langoliers, it's, you know, is he going to keep hitting 270 or even 250? Probably not. Uh, he's probably going to be like other catchers in the in the lower 200s, but there's upside there, right? And also the embarrassment of riches for Atlanta. Like he was he was an Atlanta prospect, and they just decided they didn't even need him because they had William Contreras. Right. So you know, Shea Langoliers was a you know borderline top 50 prospect a lot of places. Again, some of it for the glove, but there's a lot of promise here. He's not worth like you must add him in 10 or 12 teamers where there's one catcher because there's very like the number of catchers just like you don't have to add rookie catchers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's Two catcher that leagues, you give it a shot. Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, deeper lead, you know, 15 team, one catcher, or mm-hmm. even like, you know, 10 or 12 team. If you got two catchers, you got a roster like this is a guy or you're in a dynasty league and you can stash some guys like Shea Langoliers. I mean, he's probably already roster other places, but if you've got him, you got to at least be a little excited that he's, he's found a way to make, you know, he's making some contact early. Right. And he's hit a ton of doubles, you know, three, you know, three doubles and Love a triple and that. a home run, mm-hmm. tons of power. So you, you like seeing that at the major league level. Sure. He's striking out a lot, but we can see players make adjustments to this. Like he, maybe some of the power goes away and, and one or two of those doubles no longer exists, but he doesn't strike out every single time. Right. So right. I, I think that will be the journey. How does the strikeout rate look? a week, two weeks, three weeks from now, you're going to be watching that rolling chart to see what the trend is. Right. Um, so as we head out there, I think uh, talking a little bit about the hitter list, that uh, Jake Fraley was a guy that you had mentioned to me. And in his last 12 games, five homers, 11 RBI for the Reds. So you really feel uncomfortable in the great American ballpark. Yeah, so Jake Fraley's kind of fun because he's he's this power speed guy who takes a ton of walks. So you might remember a little bit because if you're if the name sounds familiar, it's because last season he went on a nice little tear for the Mariners, right? He ended up playing only about half a season, but he hit nine home runs and stole ten bases, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would never project him as a 2020 guy, but you know, especially in OBP leagues, this is a guy. I mean, his walk rate is going to be double digits, period, right? I mean, he it's. It's 11% this year, and he's got the strikeout rate way down from where from what we had seen while he was with Seattle. So, like, you know, everything's trending in the right direction. Still walking a ton, showing power, showing speed. You know, seven home runs, two stolen bases in 34 games. And again, the plate discipline looks awesome, right? So especially if you're in an OBP league, someone's probably already scooped him. But Jake Fraley is a guy who I think can really do some damage in great American ballpark and who – you know, again, is one reason why just be fle- if you've got four or five outfielders, be flexible with that fourth or fifth spot, right? Because these, this is the kind of stuff you want to pick up to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, what's uh, the hitter list looking like? Uh, I know that you said uh, Vaughn Grissom's going to be making his debut. Uh, anything that we should be on the lookout for? So, the biggest thing that I have to struggle with, quite frankly, is that you know. It's Tuesday, so what we often see is a ton of guys hit the IL on Tuesdays, mm-hmm. right? To see, you know, uh, I, not necessarily a ton of them were on the hitter list, but like it, it changes things up. I mean, one obvious one was Vinny Pasquantino, so mm-hmm. that was a big bummer. Byron Buxton hit the IL, that was yeah, a bummer. Hip, hip issue. <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't believe the Phillies optioned Derek Hall, 
who's been raking in July, but yeah. they don't need it probably because Kyle Schwarber's not ready to play in the outfield. Bohm's um, been yeah. uh, hitting bombs lately. What's that? Bohm has been hitting. Oh bombs yeah, lately. so Bohm, yeah, he's playing well. Obviously, he's well. I mean, it's just so I, I have to figure out what the playing time is going to look like because one thing about the hitter list is that I do rank injured players, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Nick. Nick sort of tells you where they would rank and and that's all well and good, but I, I try to keep including them. Um, I mean, one guy who likely take a little bit of a bump is going to be on your Yankees, Giancarlo Stanton, just because he should be activated later this mm-hmm. week. Yep. So we have an idea of when he's coming back. That makes him easier, of course, to roster. Vaughn Grissom, obviously we talked about earlier. He's a guy that, you know, is definitely going to be up. And I think what's going to start happening is, you know, with the hitter list, I'm going to try to try to talk a little more about what players offer you because at this point in the season, it's less important that you have a higher ranking player as it is. You have a player who gives you what your team needs and the stats that you're deficient in. So I'm going to try to add more notes about that, but you know, the, with the hitter list that, you know, I will keep ranking them, but that's really, you know, the ranks are not going to always quite work for your league. What you should be looking for is like, all right, I've, you know, is there a player in this tier that, you know, what can I expect from a player in this tier? That's what I'm going to try to try to give you as you prep for either a late season push or, you know, your head to head playoffs and you're recognizing your own weaknesses. So I'll try to drop names that, especially in the, uh, in the taxi squad Mm -hmm. about, Hey, this guy gives you steals. This guy gives you OBP. This guy gives you this. So that's really what you're going to be looking for. And it's hard to write that into the hitter list. Mm-hmm. So it has to sort of come from my comments. Yeah. But those are the when, when's would, Joey Gallo going to be uh, uh, on the taxi squad at least? Uh, I've been thinking I'm about joking. it. I've been thinking <laughs> so he, so he He's actually you know, doing fairly well uh, for the Dodgers. Good to see, actually. Yeah, it is. And actually, uh, another, you know, I'll just give a couple more names that, sure. that are going to be tough for me to rank. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex Bregman has been unstoppable. Mm-hmm. The last two or three weeks. I mean, just in the last 14 days, not including the action on Tuesday, he had five home runs, uh, 31 runs in RBI, and then almost twice as many walks as strikeouts. Uh, it, he's been unreal. So I got to figure out what I'm going to do with him. I got to figure out what I'm going to do with Christian Walker, who's showing impressive plate discipline and seems to be hot again. Uh, and I need to figure out Lars Newbar, a guy who I really have to consider putting on there. He's tough. And then how much higher can I move Andre Simenez, who continues to just rake and run? Mm. Yep. Uh, Benintendi's been hot. I'm just saying, no. Uh, <laughs> of course, you know, I'm trying to you know, get all my Yankees on there, sort of, you know, you know, just for the heck of it. Uh, but good stuff. Good stuff there, Scott. Uh, quick episode today. Uh, but uh, as always. Just like we thought. For the first time ever. Yeah. So a lot of times, you know, we'll put a show together and, and you know, share some notes. And we're like, yeah, this this shouldn't be uh, too long. And then we end up doing like an hour and 17 minutes. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, good talking to you again, Scott. And uh, uh, that basically slams uh, the lid on things for today. Don't forget to follow my buddy Scott at If The Chew Fits. You could uh, follow me on Twitter at Joe Galina. Follow our podcast at Hacks and Jacks PL. Subscribe to our podcast Wherever you get your podcasting content, leave us a a review if you can. And as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. And we'll see you next time. 